Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Kieran, how are you? I suspect that people uh, will notice that uh, <laughs> you turned a page in your notebook as we finished the last pod, and we're still doing it <laughs> as we started this one, which is an indication that not much time has elapsed between recording the last pod and recording this one. We are on our break now, and it's kind of weird Doctor Who Styly, um, and I hope you're enjoying yourself. I won't, I won't give away where you are in the world, Kieran, in case you're, you're bothered on the beach by hundreds of, of fans. But I know, and I hope you're having a good time. Um, so we've got a, a special extra interview pod with you today with Chloe Horrocks, and Chloe is the head of travel operations at Manchester United Football Club, a job that I imagined would be one of the most glamorous in the world. Um, it turns out to be actually quite hard work, and this is what we had to say. Chloe, thank you so much for joining us today. We really do appreciate it, especially as we know you're very busy at the moment. Before we start, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you got this exciting, glamorous job? I certainly can. So I'm sort of born and bred in Manchester. I went to university here, and that kind of leads me on where this sort of all started for me, really, at Manchester United. And... Whilst I was at uni, obviously you need sort of a bit of, you know, funds to pay for yeah. things. And I decided to take a job sort of on a casual basis within our sort of hospitality suite. So basically on a, on a match day, I worked in an executive box and I was actually in a box looking after Michael Owen and Ryan Giggs's family at the time. Oh, wow. And yeah, so they kind of put me in there. and I was just a waiting on staff at that point. This was like sort of very early on in sort of university days. And so, yeah, I just started from there, really. And I think I got on with them quite well. I got on with the families quite well. And I'd, I'd do little things like I'd pick up on the fact that one of the sons preferred Sunny D orange juice to a Capri Sun orange juice, which <laughs> obviously is what Manchester United had there. So before my shift, I'd just go to sort of the local co-op spa and basically pick up some sunny d and just bring it in and i thought i kind of got a bit of a rapport with them towards no. sort of the end i took a little bit of time off just because it was sort of my final exams and you know you have to be sort of proper and be serious about it and 
keeping my parents happy that I was actually revising. So then when I came back, they were sort of just asking, oh, where have you been? So I was like, oh, I've had to sort of take a little bit of time off just to sort of revise for my final exams. And then they kind of got into a conversation, oh, what do you want to do after this? And they actually mentioned to me an intern programme at the club yeah. within sort of the marketing department. And it wasn't something sort of I considered really, because uh, I did international business with German language at university. So kind of a little bit different to what I thought I'd get into. And yeah, sort of, I kind of pursued it from that really after I found out about this intern program and just pursued that. Pretty much went for the interview and pretty much started the day after I finished university. And it sort of started all those years ago. That's uh, that's a brilliant way to start a career in it. So it, yeah. it, if if you if you told Michael Owen's son he was stuck with Capri Sun orange juice, you might have been in a completely different job. Exactly. Yeah. So it's wow. literally that. Listen, I, I'm fascinated by what you do. Um, uh, a friend of mine uh, who worked at my club, Crystal Palace, told me recently that transporting Premier League players anywhere was a little bit like trying to keep kittens in a basket. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. <laughs> do you, you recognise that scenario, do you? Yeah. It's yes. hard work and it, it's not it's not so much who they are, it's the volume of people that you have to move in sort of one setting, if that makes yeah. sense. I kind of put out of my head who the individuals are. So okay. I just sort of see them as a sort of a group, as an entity, and I need to kind of get them from essentially a to b safely and efficiently as kind of yeah. possible that's kind of just how i get through sort of my everyday sort of job have, have you tried the the primary school approach and just put little yellow high-vis jackets on them and tie two of them together by the wrists i don't even think that would work to be honest <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> um listen chloe before getting into the kind of hard-hitting forensic financial interview we're famous for just just one last fl- frivolous question. Who, who are the real nightmare travellers you've had to deal with? Who are the ones that, that don't want to fly or don't want to sit next to Harry Maguire or just <laughs> don't want to be here? You don't, you don't have to name names, but are, are there ones that are more difficult than others, ones that, that will always forget their passport? Or, or do you look after the passports for them? So going sort of on the first point, and genuinely I'm not just saying this, they're genuinely very, very, very good. <laughs> I think they all... They kind of understand the complexities of getting through an airport and getting through sort of a strict immigration process and things like that. So I can't fault them on that. We get no special dispensation or anything like that. Um, if you forget your passport, you go home and you get that passport. Right. We, we get no sort of special sort of, yeah, just no special service at all when it comes to sort of the immigration side. And I and I understand why it's it's. It's a very sort of, you know, strict environment to be in at that point. I've yeah. had a couple occasions before, and it's 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 mainly sort of staff where naturally we've got a partnership with Adidas, so everybody's issued an Adidas suitcase. They all look identical, exactly the same. So you have a couple of people come up to you and like, oh, Chloe, I've... I think I've left my passport in my suitcase, which at this point has gone underneath the aircraft and it's nicely loaded. So then I'm like, right, okay, I've got a bit of an issue here. What does your suitcase look like? How can I identify it? Oh, it's a black Adidas one. 
okay, I, I need a little I need a little bit more than that I need so that sort of does that does happen a lot but it's sort yeah. of easily rectifiable in the, uh, sorry yeah go on. in relation to sort of keeping hold of passports I absolutely hate keeping hold of anybody's passport it fills me with absolute dread because really? it's such an important document um so I I really try not to where physically possible. Yeah. But if I do, it's it's straight into the hotel safe and it's under lock and key. But so just ju- just to clarify, Chloe, you're organising away travel to domestic and European games for the entire playing and coaching staff. So how many people is that? It ranges sort of fixture by fixture and sort of what competition it is and where you're going. Typically, domestically, you're looking at about 55 to 60. Wow. Okay. Then on sort of a European Champions League trip, it can be anything up to 130 people because we cover the whole club as a whole, not just sort of the team and the team management. Pre-season tour is a different sort of ball game altogether and it, you, you could be looking at about 170 people. Oh, wow. Well, 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 quite well, a lot. Yeah, I want to come on to that later. But so, in terms of home games, and the players allowed or expected to make their own way to home games, or do you get involved in transporting them as well? It's very different per manager. Okay. I typically, I'm a huge fan of home games because I, <laughs> I have very sort of little involvement, really. Um, so yeah, so every time we, we're in a cup draw, then I, I'm always crossing my fingers for a home game, as in a way. So at, at the start of a, a season or a European campaign, are you given a fixed budget for all your away travel or is it done simply on a match-by-match match basis? And, and can you tell us, or are you able to tell us how much you would spend per season on transport and travel? It's it's very, yeah, it's very budget-orientated it as is. it has okay. to be. Travel right. is a very costly sort of, department to be in just because of the nature of hotel costs aircraft costs train costs things like that I couldn't really tell you sort of what the final budget is that's sort of way above sort of my kind of pay grade really and my job essentially just to get the job done for as little cost as possible when you talk about sort of budgets at the start of the season yeah there's a huge team behind that that kind of goes into it again it's quite it's quite location dependent so a, a fixture say for Arsenal away is going to be a hell of a lot more expensive than a fixture sort of in Norwich because of just sort of where you are in the country so all that is factored into it as well okay I was going to ask you whether there are journeys that you really look at and you you take a deep sigh because they're going to be difficult, like like Kazakhstan or Silas Park on a Tuesday night. So it's funny you say Kazakhstan because we've been, we have been, to, we got drawn in the Europa League one year, yeah, um, in Astana, which was sort of that way. So it's I think it was about a seven hour flight with a five hour time difference or something. It it, it certainly didn't feel like a Europa game <laughs> fixture to me. So yeah, that filled me with. A little bit of dread, but yeah, your, your typical sort of London fixtures with midweek, with sort of an eight o'clock kickoff on a Tuesday night or a Thursday night. It, they're they're quite challenging in terms of travel. 
And it, it sounds, Chloe, like you use scheduled flights as well, which may come as a surprise to a lot of cynical fans who presume that all your travel, all your flights would be private. Yeah, we do. We use quite a lot of scheduled services. Sometimes it works better for sort of the, not so much the team, but the team around the team. And I, I, when I, I mean that, I mean sort of our internal media department that sort of don't have to fly on like a private plane that need to get out in advance of the team because they've got obviously commitments before the team arrive. But yeah, we use quite a lot of scheduled servicing for pre-season tour. Um, I'd say majority of people are using scheduled services. Oh, really? Are, are there enough first-class seats on a, a, a pre-scheduled flight for all the players in? <laughs> so we'd, we'd always put the players in that instance on a private aircraft. It's kind of the team around the team that we'd use sort of scheduled services for. Yeah, and, and so... commercial people. <laughs> yeah. And, and where... Do you, do you pull rank and say, well, I need to be in first class because I've got to look after the players? Oh, God, I never get that. No, I'm at, I'm at the back. <laughs> Cattle class. <laughs> yeah, can I ask this, Greg, without making any comment on the politics of it, has Brexit in the last couple of years made it more difficult in, in airports for you when you're travelling to European games? Extremely difficult. More yeah. difficult than sort of I anticipated. Um, yeah, so obviously immigration process is a, is a lot stricter. There's a lot more sort of checks that you have to go through, a lot more paperwork that has to be filled in, even down to what aircraft type that you can use is, Re- is now a factor. Wow. We have obviously cargo get all going all over the world, the paperwork that's, that's now involved with that from a Brexit point of view has made it a, a very, very difficult. So, yeah, Brexit's made it a lot harder. Yeah, I, I presume as well, it's just occurred to me, Chloe, your insurance premiums travel-wise must be through the roof, aren't they? I would have thought so, yeah. yeah. Again, we have got a great team sort of looking after that behind the scenes for us, but, yeah, we, we're fully covered and all that sort of stuff. And if you win a trophy abroad... Yes. Does that is that travelling back with you on the on the plane? It certainly does. Yeah. It does. So it does. Um, it's actually treated a little bit like a VIP that trophy because you have to <laughs> class it. You have to class it as as though it's got a human heartbeat, and so it needs to have a seat for takeoff and landing, and it has to have essentially a seatbelt on for takeoff and landing. So it's quite a complex operation when you you win a trophy and you're trying to take it all over the world what so that's just can i clarify that chloe so is is it the airline that says you have to treat it like a human being or is that you being sentimental no it's it's airline policy and oh, airport wow. policies yeah and obviously the safety of kind of passengers around it they can't have sort of a metal trophy sort of fall in front of the person on the feet and things oh, like that so of course it's a safety aspect as well yeah, I, I I can't imagine if Palace ever won a trophy, it, that would it'd be getting a, it'd be getting a plane of its own, and several bodyguards too. Um, has has your job been made difficult as well, Chloe? I I I don't know how it works. Whether a club like United has to you know cut their budget accordingly, but we've seen travel costs just go through the roof recently. I was trying not to take off, say take off, 
Very good. <laughs> uh, well, we've seen travel costs go through the roof. Does that affect even a, a, a big club like Man United? Are, are you occasionally told that you know some of the ancillary staff are going to have to go on an even more economy flight than before? Yeah, it's it's definitely something that's kind of it's been a Brexit thing as well for us, and right. that's more so sort of domestic aircraft. So since Brexit cost of flying has increased dramatically more so domestically and the reason for that is you can only fly on a, on a UK registered aircraft for example if you're going from Manchester to Luton or Manchester to Stansted Manchester to Newcastle so if it's a domestic sector you have to fly in a UK registered aircraft oh. and believe me there's very 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 few of those around Obviously, the less around they are, the more demand there is. It, it, your, your prices are sort of through the roof. So it's something that I'm feeling is coming down slightly and it's levelling off. But the start of last season, that was definitely a huge factor for us. That's just, on those occasions when you, you do uh, charter private planes, is the airport experience very different? Are the players kind of ushered through different exits and entrances so that they still have to go through the same passport checks presumably but is it a more private experience for the players on a private plane we always try to yeah and it's very location dependent and it depends what sort of facility the particular airport has got we from a safety security point of view we would always push them through sort of a vip terminal that's not because we you know, we class it as a VIP experience. It's purely down to the safety and security of, of the player. And if we were to put them through sort of main terminals, it's actually more the authorities that push back on us because it creates that much sort of extra workload for their own security procedures if they've got, obviously, the whole Manchester United squad walking through. It just causes sort of disruption for us, for the general public puts extra pressure on their personal like their security resources as well so yeah it's exactly the same passport checks it's exactly the same sort of liquid checks if you like it we get sort of no special sort of dispensation around that but it is sort of much more sort of private contained experience for them Right, so so even Cristiano Ronaldo would be asked, they'd be checking his little bottles of aftershave and moisturiser, the same as anybody yeah, else. Yeah, 100%, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh wow. That's, in fact, they're probably more likely to check his, just so they can get in. <laughs> so, I do, I, I, it is difficult to imagine that some of the best players in the world, I, thinking of Cristiano Ronaldo trooping onto an easy jet flight is, a, is, a, is an amusing way of getting through a few minutes, but... I, they must be much happier, the players, I would think, surely in a private environment, wouldn't they? Yeah, I think it's just a little bit more sort of relaxed for them. And I, I keep saying sort of how important the immigration process and sort of the security aspect is. And if I can just get them all contained into sort of one small area with sort of no external factors, we can just make that process a lot quicker. And they're there to sort of, do a job but they're also there to get through an airport safely so we have to make sure that they've got sort of the time and no extra pressures around them to do that if that makes sense yeah i always say that 
everybody is equal when they sat on an aircraft and going through sort of an airport security screening process. Everybody in the whole world at that point is is very equal, whether it's myself or, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo that you mentioned or an, an academy player. Every single person on that aircraft is just 100% equal at that point. Do you know what, Chloe? I, I genuinely thought when I was writing questions for this that you had the most amazing, glamorous job. And now, sometimes it, it's, it must be like the mum in Home Alone sometimes when, they, when you take off and oh my God, I've left Luke Shaw behind. It must be the, the stress and tension of that when you take off. Are, are you literally doing like constant head counts to make sure you've got them all? So it's quite a big team. And I keep referring to this team behind the team, sort yeah. of saying there's quite a big team that kind of looks after the elements of that for the team. I purely focus on sort of the travel and logistics, really, and just making sure that I'm working with external suppliers to sort of make that happen. My sort of key day-to-day contacts are more so with external suppliers making right. that happen as opposed to internally they've got sort of a, a very dedicated team around them that that kind of manage that I just need to pass on that sort of information so I don't really sort of herd the sheep together if that makes sense I just make sure that the herd of sheep has got somewhere to go yeah yeah because uh, yeah, that's like the idea that you you make them sit where you want them to sit but when you're dealing with these external suppliers Chloe I, I presume that the the sheer power of the name of Manchester United unlocks some doors and gives you shortcuts that other people, other clubs might not get? Sometimes it can do, yeah. Um, I try to sort of... I try not to put... I'm not a, um, I'm not a, huge, I'm not a football fan at all, so I'm quite a good judge of character with external suppliers because I have to treat them as though they're not football fans they're not Manchester United fans they have no sort of vested interest really sometimes it works in your favour if an external supplier is fully aware of football and what you need to do to get them from A to B sometimes it can be completely the opposite and if you get sort of for example I don't know a Leeds fan that's checking passports or (laughs) I'm sure they would never do this and I'm sure they are very professional but if they're a Manchester City fan, for example, you know, it, it can it can flip itself on its head as well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, 
or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. I promise you, Chloe, if in a different life I was working as a passport checker at Gatwick Airport, Brighton and Hove Albion's flights would be delayed by about 24 hours every single time. Did, Chloe, did I, hear, did I hear you right there? You've, you've gone through your whole career from supplying Michael Owen's sons with the orange juice of his choice to flying around the world with some of the best footballers in, in the Premier League and you don't like football. Yeah, no, um... <laughs> <laughs> you tried to avoid the question, this like, but you you raise yeah, the, the subject. That's oh, okay. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't matter, but it it would make life much easier. <laughs> so, so if if the no. team if the team you're flying people back from a, a a heavy defeat in Rome, you don't really give a toss about what's happened. You're just you're just worried that they're upset. That's funny. Yeah, so it, I know it might sound strange, but. Because, as you said, like I've kind of worked in sport and football my whole working career. But, yeah, the short answer is, is no. I've, I've got no sort of no interest of it, if that makes sense. So I'd, I've got no idea what goes on the pitch. I cannot tell you what a four four nine formation is. I cannot tell you. I just don't, I don't get it at all from a sort of a fan point of view. Right. What I do have, obviously, is... I'm fully aware and I've got a great understanding from an operational point of view. So I understand that extra time and penalties is going to have an impact on the travel arrangements on departure. I understand the implications of sort of getting through to the next stage of competitions. So I have basically a boring understanding of football, if that makes sense. But I cannot tell you what position Marcus Rashford is on the pitch at. And I don't really hide the fact in work about that as well. I'm, it doesn't really affect me in my sort of day-to-day job. If they win, lose or draw, I would still aim for the same sort of level of service regardless. But yeah, not, I'm not a football fan. Do, do you know what, Chloe? I, I think some of the players might find that refreshing, actually, that they don't, that not everybody on the, they have to talk to about football. I, I just assume from, you know, I, I assume everybody in Manchester is, is either from a family of lifelong City fans or a, or a family of lifelong United fans. So uh, are your family not United fans even? They are, yeah. So my dad and my brother are huge Manchester United fans. So I've kind of, I think if I turn around to my dad when I, I took the, the, my first ever job at the in the hospitality suites that I said, if I turn around and said, oh, I've got um, a bit of a Saturday job, job at Manchester City, I think he'd just lock the door on me. So I've definitely been pushed into sort of the Manchester United side from sort of my dad's support of them. So that must be quite difficult for you, Chloe, then, because you've got you've got your dad and your brother who are obviously, as I would be, desperate for gossip. It's like my mate who used to work at Palace. I, I, I was constantly asking for gossip, but he quite rightly refuses to tell me any. So you've you've got all this really interesting information that your dad and your brother could use as as currency in the pub, and you have to keep shtum about everything, basically, don't you? 
Yeah, and I, I always would. But that's where my dad is absolutely perfect because he, yeah, he is a football fan. He understands kind of what goes on on the pitch and he'll sort of always watch the games. But he's kind of more, and I don't know if it's my influence on him, but he's kind of more interested in, oh, did the pre-match meal service go all right, Chloe? Did it, it, It's that sort of element that he's more interested in, so... Um, it works kind of well in my favour. I think everyone just just doesn't really ask me about anything yeah, sort of, of confidential or anything. And I'm not I'm not sort of privy to it to be honest. I'm just booking planes for them. There's <laughs> another aspect you mentioned the pre-match meal thing there that that didn't occur to me. I, I presume on the flights as well that you know your dietitians will be involved in making sure they're eating healthily but you also mentioned something else which really didn't occur to me so if if you're away in Kazakhstan as we mentioned earlier the idea that a game would go to extra time in penalties it didn't occur to me that that's making your life so much more difficult I presume that's where flying privately helps because you've got that little bit more flexibility time-wise have you? Exactly, yeah, and that's one of the key sort of reasons why we sort of do it. So, you know, football, majority of football domestic fixtures end after the 90 minutes, so it's quite it's quite easy to sort of plan your timings, really. But then, again, it's, it's kind of fixture-dependent on how much press and interviews happen after the game and things like that. Oh, course, we obviously yeah. have drug testers that can turn up at any point to do their sort of role in sort of making sure the players are doing what they're sort of told in that aspect. So timing is re- it's really, really difficult to pinpoint an exact time that, that the aircraft or that train is kind of going to depart. So, yeah, it, it's extra time and penalties fill me with absolute dread as any other sort of person in sports travel would, would agree with me on. Yeah, because it's obviously it's not, it's not practical. If one of your players is drugs tested, you you can't say right, we'll book you a flight for tomorrow morning, but we've got to get the rest of the team home. That that would never happen. Everyone travels together, or you don't travel at all, presumably. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. So it's we try to keep the team together as a team as much as physically possible. Things that kind of don't really go in our favour with things like that is airport closures. So we have ah. to be then very very mindful and take a an objective, sensible view of, okay, do we get these 55 people back and essentially leave one or two behind because an airport is going to close and we've got slot restrictions? Or do we keep, you know, the whole team behind together? So it's very much this job is thinking on your feet and making sure you're kind of doing the best for the team. Uh, do you know what the level of responsibility involved in your job is? Is terrifying me. Uh, 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 as you heard earlier, Kieran and I are pretty much terrified about which one of us presses the on and off button before and after the interview. So, what are you doing, Chloe? The Man United's women team uh, are becoming increasingly successful. Do they do they travel in the same style as the men? I presume presumably there's probably fewer people in their support team, but are, are they getting the same luxurious treatment as the men players? So we sort of, this it's a team of four at Manchester United that looks after the travel. We look after sort of the men's first team, the women's first team and sort of some of our academy teams as well. Our objective is 
kind of the same across all those teams. So they've all got their own different objectives. They've all got their own sort of budgets that they work to. My job and the, the guy's job within the department, it's to get the best that we can for that team within reason. So as you said, they're becoming a lot more successful. Their travel is obviously is going to increase as well. They're, they're sort of getting themselves through to different cups as well now. So that will create much more travel for them. So yeah, essentially like they get the same treatment across the board, regardless of what team they're in. We scale it back when we have to. We, you know, we put them on private planes when we have to. It's all sort of location, fixture dependent, really. And that's a, that's kind of across the board. The travelling numbers are they're pretty similar, pretty similar across the, all the teams, really. Um, so number-wise, it, it doesn't decrease, it doesn't increase. Uh, every Premier League club, Chloe, uh, has their exotic pre-season tour now. I believe Man United are, are about to go on theirs. How much notice do you get to plan those itineraries? Would you know at the start of, of one season where you'll be going at the end of that season for your pre-season tour? Or is it sort of decided around about Christmas and then you've got a real kickball at scramble to get it into place? The actual sort of planning of, from a travel and sort of logistics point of view, I get involved quite early on in the process and that's mainly because we need to secure the best aircraft, we need to secure the best sort of hotels that's for the teams. So my sort of involvement is pretty much starts, I'd say, November, December time where the team that look after the the tour in itself, they've pickpocketed sort of locations they've they've got a good understanding of where we're going to go at that point I then sort of get involved from a travel point of view so I start researching the best hotels in that area the most suitable aircraft and things like that specific locations would change because it's there's, there's so many different people involved like different offers come in different promoters get involved but I've got a very good idea at that point where we're going to go um, the exact location, not so much. That's definitely sort of more towards the new year when I can really start pinning it down to a sort of a greater detail point of view. It's it's pretty much a year-round operation, the pre-season tour. Essentially, if you look at it sort of in a black and white setting, we're picking up the club, and that's the football side, the director side, the commercial side we're picking up the whole stadium and the whole training ground and moving it overseas for sort of a two to three week period. Oh, wow, of course. If you think about it sort of logically in your head, that's essentially what we're doing. So we take the whole sort of entourage of people over to sort of facilitate that. We, we, We have to make it as though we're still in Manchester at that point, just with better weather. <laughs> that's that's a really interesting way of putting it. You're just you're just literally transferring Old Trafford and, and Carrington to to Singapore. Can I ask you one last serious question, Chloe, if I may? It's about a subject our listeners are getting increasingly agitated about, and that's sustainability. I mean, clubs travel relatively short distance by plane. One club in the Premier League, their last season's pre-season tour took them from Singapore to Austria and then back to Australia 
which I thought I'd misread that, but it went to, from Singapore to Australia via Austria. It, is this something that clubs are becoming increasingly aware of that they have to tr- be be mindful of their of their carbon footprint and that, how much time they're spending travelling? Yeah, definitely, and it's something we we would consider per fixture. Really, it's okay. always sort of at the forefront of our mind, and we sort of appreciate there's a lot of press and sort of an opinion around it. We again, it it goes back to sort of my point earlier, where you just take a very realistic view on a match by match basis, and it's very fixture and it's very location dependent. If, for example, you have got a midweek London fixture naturally with sort of an 8 pm kickoff, there's no sort of no train to get back on at that point because the surfaces stop at a certain point. So then it's kind of looking into different ways of getting the team back. We then have to sort of look sort of pre and post game as well. So what's happening before this particular fixture? what's happening after. It could be where we have a fixture quite close together, which happened quite a lot last season because it was quite condensed. Yeah. Um, Where possible, we would always try, and they prefer sort of train travel just because they're not having to go through security screen and show the passport and things like that. They can physically just sit on a train and not think about anything for sort of the next sort of two hours, really. Uh, so we always, always try. It doesn't always go in our favour. And these are professional sportsmen and we have to sort of have that in the back of our mind as well. We don't do that. We don't do it sort of lightly. Um, the aviation market, as I said before, especially in the UK, is very, very difficult with such small availability. So it's actually getting harder to fly domestically. So we have to look at sort of different ways of doing it. It was very, um, flying was quite, it was increased a lot during sort of COVID times. That was kind of from a protocol point of view and keeping them within a bubble and a secure sort of secure group to sort of protect the game and make sure that it could carry on throughout COVID. That's definitely starting to come down now and trains are becoming much more sort of frequent there's now three trains an hour going down to london which has now opened up a lot more for us we work sort of with carbon offsetting companies and something that will be coming sort of on the market much more available is sustainable sustainable aviation fuel so that's that's going on in the background with sort of a team of people we're looking into that so hopefully it's going to get better sort of not just for us, but for sort of all teams, really. When you say the aviation market is getting more difficult, is shrink, does that mean there are fewer scheduled flights or there are fewer charter companies available now? Fewer charter companies. Okay. So because the whole Brexit piece that I mentioned before, that's that's obviously having an impact. These The actual scheduled services are relying more on so the, the private airlines, I suppose, they sort of subcontract them out to sort oh, of okay. do work for them. So that completely takes it off the market for sort of a sports team, if that if, if that makes sense. Yes, of course. So I, the, the, the availability is extremely... It's the smallest I've, I've sort of known in my working career. I, also, you mentioned circumstances before and after games. Obviously, you had to get the team to... Wembley recently, despite a train strike. So, it, if if Man United are, 
are playing, say, Chelsea or Arsenal on a on a Saturday. It's unlikely to be a three o'clock kickoff because of the size of both clubs. But in the unlikely event that so United are playing Chelsea three o'clock on a Saturday, are you contacting the Metropolitan Police weeks in advance to say? Uh, are there any demonstrations in central London at this time? Is there a route we should take? Are you constantly checking uh, new services for, for train strikes and that sort of thing? Because, again, it's one of those things that's only just occurred to me that your your plans could change at three days' notice, couldn't they? True, and it's really... So we obviously get fixtures confirmed by TV rights and we, we're bound by those timings. We can't confirm anything until we physically get that fixture release to say, okay, you're playing, for example, Crystal Palace on a Monday night at 8pm. Yeah. And it's a, it's, it's a relatively quick turnaround after that point. The, again, it goes back to the team behind the team. There's a lot of people working in the background at securing and speaking to sort of the relevant people that's involved in in a fixture I kind of just concentrate on sort of the here and now travel aspect the first thing that I would look at is always the kickoff time there is absolutely nothing I can personally do about that kickoff time and it's just weighing up all your options of okay we've got a 4 30 p.m kickoff in the center of London how can we get back how can we get back sort of in time so they can go into training the next day at a reasonable time and things like that? So, yeah, it's 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 a bit of a puzzle and it's a bit of a moving piece, but, it, yeah, it's very time and fixture-related. Do you, know, do you know what, Chloe, uh, before we wrap this into you up, and this has been fascinating, thank you. Kira and I have spoke a lot in the last two and a half years about the way fans are inconvenienced by changing fixture times. It generally never crossed my mind that that players and staff are also inconvenienced by the fact that you're suddenly having to kick off in London at 4.30 on, on a Sunday night. I think that we've seen that for the FA Cup final. Obviously, yeah. both Manchester teams was affected by two rail strikes within quick succession of each other. And that obviously had a massive impact on the fans as well. Um, so it, it, I always see it selfishly from my point of view, from a work aspect. But as, yeah, you're quite right in saying it, it affects sort of the fans as well. I get no sort of prior heads up of when these fixtures are going to come out. I, you know, we I get that information as as any other fan would do as well. So. It's kind of all hands on deck as soon as those fixtures get released. I actually set um, reminders in my diary sort of the day before, obviously, a fixture release is due to come out. So it kind of jogs my memory. Oh, yeah, I've got a fixture release tomorrow. <laughs> Clear my diary. Do you, do you know what, Chloe? I've learned so much from this. I, in my head, because I'm an, an incurable old romantic, I had this <laughs> idea of a sort of 1960s style just wandering out to the you know to the plane in the middle of the runway uh, and walking up to it with a, a, a casual bag slung over your shoulder I had no idea how much was actually involved so my my final question is is sort of linked first of all can you actually enjoy the place that you you're traveling to you know if you're if you're going somewhere in Italy or somewhere in Malta, maybe somewhere you've been for. Can you ever get any time 
to enjoy it? Are you, are you in and out? And the second part is what's, I mean, your job has taken you to places you would probably never have dreamt of when you were handing Michael Owen Sunny, Sunny D. What's, what's the most amazing place that your job has taken to you to? So sort of on the first question, the short answer is is no. I'm fully, fully aware that I'm in, in, in a very privileged sort of role and I get to see parts of the world that people would only dream of. Yeah. But then I am there sort of very much in a work setting. It Every single time that I speak to my nana, she's like, oh, where, where are you off to next, Chloe? And it could be, oh, I'm off to Italy or I'm off to Singapore. She's like, oh, Chloe, you must go and see the Vatican. You must go and see this. You must go and see that. And I'm like, nan, I'll probably just be seeing four walls of a hotel and an airport. But you know what? That's my job. And yeah, that's kind of what I enjoy about it and speaking to different hotels, speaking to different airports and things like that. But yeah, I don't get any time for sort of sightseeing. It's just basically an in and out job. Um, just getting there, doing the job as quickly as possible so you can get back and actually work on it. Yeah. So it's, the, the weather's normally a lot nicer wherever I go. Yeah. So, Chloe, all I will say is I know sometimes players get uh, a bit bored on long journeys. If if they ever fancy a live version of uh, a Price of Football financial <laughs> podcast, I'm sure I'm sure some of them will be fascinated to fill their time doing that. Then uh, I think we know two people who can help you, Chloe. It's been um, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. It, I, I I love interviews where. I end up knowing a lot more about a subject than I did beforehand. And you're clearly in love with your job as well. And and you realise what a unique and privileged job you have. So it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate that. Kieran, she was she was fantastic. I mean, that, I love that proper Manchester accent, but she was so so interesting. And I was I was fascinated by all of it. But I was fascinated by two things: that first of all, she does that job without liking football. But it it strikes me that if you did like football, it would be a much harder job to do because you you just want to watch the games and talk to the players, wouldn't you? I guess. But also, I was, I was really pleased to hear um, about the steps they're taking towards sustainability and that they are very aware of the fact that at the moment it's it's an industry football is an industry with a, a giant carbon footprint yes and there's no football on a dead planet so it, it's in manchester united's interests it's in all of our interests that uh, uh, this this is taken seriously and, it, and i think it is you're absolutely right it, it is good to hear um yeah i, I learned a lot from from listening to, to yeah. chloe um it, it does sound a very stressful job and I can just imagine her reaction if there is a last minute equaliser in a, in a <laughs> cup semi-final which means you have to now go to extra time and then penalties and she's got a plane which is due to set off at midnight um, and the pilot's saying well I'm not doing overtime I'm not allowed to do it under union rules uh, and the stresses and strains that that must cause but she seemed she seemed a very calm person I, I think I think she could she can do the job clearly and is very capable. I think it would be far beyond me. I, I'd be I'd be far too panicking. Yeah, and also really interesting about how much notice she needs to um, arrange the, the post season tours or pre season tours, whatever way you want to look at them. So 
almost starting a year ahead, but just after Christmas, already putting all those details into into plan. And I suppose anyone who's booking a, uh, you know, I've, a mate of mine books a, like an annual weekend away for six or seven of us and has a nervous breakdown in the process. So the idea of doing it for 150 people is an astonishing one, isn't it? It is. I'm, I'm just... I'm just wondering if she could help us with the price of football unfit and improper tour, which is taking place this autumn, because we're already struggling, aren't we? In, in, yeah, and we've got yeah. we've got a professional helping us uh, in our good friend Julian, but uh, we've we've not worked out our flight routes yet, have we? Well, considering we've only got two booked, one's in Manchester and one's in Brighton, we, we shouldn't be struggling the way we are. To be perfectly honest, I, I think we're way down Chloe's pay scale. <laughs> yes. to be honest um, uh, so yeah Chloe's on tour I think Man United Species and tour start this week but I believe Kieran you have a message for Chloe's dad Ray yes uh, Chloe's dad Ray uh, by all accounts he's, he's, a, he's a big listener um, Ray we understand you're you're a bit poorly at present and just from myself and Kevin and Guy and, and all of our listeners uh, you know, we, we wish you all the best and we'll be rooting for you Um I believe also that you're going into hospital for an operation and you've taken a copy of my book with you, which probably will mean that you won't need an anaesthetist because it will send you to sleep within 10 pages. <laughs> well, it, it, I, I understand the doctors have told him not to bring a copy of my book, Kieran, because he's got enough to worry about about having his ribs tickled. Yeah. <laughs> so we can't operate, Raymond, because you're laughing too much. So put that book down. <laughs> Uh, yeah, all the best to you, Ray. We will send you a copy of the new book when it comes out as well, which we hope will help you recuperate. And thank you very much to Chloe for their insight about the travel plans of Manchester United. And thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution as well, that would be very kind. You can do so by going to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. And if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. The price of football. The price of football.